prayer. As most of you know, we've begun a new series on the powerful names of God and how when we learn those names and trust those names and call out or cry out to those names, we're able to find help in our times of need. We're able to find strength and safety in the name or names of the Lord. Amen? Because in Psalm 91, 14, God says, because he has loved me, therefore I will deliver him. And I will set him securely on high because he has known my name. What we've learned over the last few weeks is his name is his character, remember? And his name is his attributes and his name is his nature. So what he's saying in this passage of scripture is I will set him securely on high because he has known my nature. Because he's known my character, because he's known my attributes, church. And when we know those things, listen, we can be set above all of the circumstances and situations of life. When we find ourselves in the middle of a storm like we've learned, when we know his nature, he can exalt us over that storm and over that trial and tribulation or circumstance or situation in life. And that's what this series is all about. It's all about getting to know God by his name so that we can call on him and run to him in our daily time of need. And I don't know about you, but I know I need Jesus and God every single day, amen? One day I might need Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Another day I might need Jehovah Rapha, the one that heals me. Another day I might need Jehovah Shama, the one who's always right there. Another day I might need Jehovah Rapha, I, th- I think I said the one who, who heals us, or Jehovah Shalom, the one who gives us peace. But the reality is every single day we need God. And the more we know about God and the nature of God and the characteristics of God and hear the series, the names of God, it gives us what we need to get through the day. Amen? Instead of being overtaken by the day, we can overtake the day. Amen? Because we know who's on our side and we know what his nature is. And when we learn his names, the Bible says in Proverbs 18, uh, it tells us that they become a strong tower. They become a fortified fortress. They become a high place and an exalted place that we can run into and be safe. So how many of you are grateful we've got that place we can run to, amen? That name we can trust in and count on, a strong place, a fortified place. And that name that we're going to look at this evening is Jehovah. And I'm not going to get into it before my my prayer, but we'll get into it as we as we go along. Last week, we looked at the great name of Elohim. Tonight, we're going to look at the name of Jehovah. But before we do, let's go to the Lord in prayer one more time. Amen? So, Father God, we thank you that you are in this place, that you have fulfilled your promise of, of when two or more gather in your name, there you are in the midst of them, God. So I thank you that we're, you're here. And now we just ask that you would reveal to yourself, to us, God, in a, in a greater way this evening, God, that you would uh, give us truth and revelation, that you would expose us to more of your character and more of your nature and more of your attributes, God, that we would know you better at the end of this service and at the end of this day than we knew you this morning or yesterday. Because, God, as long as we're willing to open our minds and open our hearts, you'll, you'll reveal more of yourself to us each and every day. And God, I pray that you would do that tonight, God, more of your character, more of your nature, more of who you are. I pray as we always do that your anointing would be in this place, God, upon me, my mind, my body, my lips, my words, God, upon my heart, that that all the words that come forth, God, would come forth under your anointing. 
and that those that are listening, God, that you would anoint them as well. Anoint their ears to hear. Anoint their hearts to receive, God. Anoint their minds to be able to comprehend and, and receive everything that you have for them, God. Come against all the distractions, the cares, the concerns, the work of the enemy that's tried to make its way into our lives today. That we might just be able to focus on you. Help us to know that you are good, God. We give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. I'm going to just try to get at it and get as much done. I got, a, I got a lot of pages and a lot of scribbling, and I'm just going to trust the Holy Spirit. Give me what I need to give you. Amen? Well, I'm going to start with a little story. One day, a little boy in school was drawing a picture. When the teacher asked, what are you drawing? The boy answered without any hesitation, I'm drawing a picture of God. A picture of God, she said? You can't draw a picture of God. No one knows what he looks like. To which the little boy replied, well, they will when I'm done with my drawing. And I thought that was kind of cute. I liked the confidence that this young boy had in, in what he thought God looked like. Amen? Now, the reality is we might not be able to really ever draw a picture of God physically because we know God's not a physical God. He's, he's spirit. Amen? But I do believe, according to Scripture, and even like the little heart of the boy, I do believe we can know what God looks like in the Spirit. I do believe we can know exactly what God looks like by His nature and by His character and by His attributes and by, and by what God, uh, the Word of God uh, describes it to be. I believe the teacher in this little story was right to some extent because physically no one knows what God looks like and no one ever can or will until we're in glory, amen, because the Word of God tells us that for now we only see dimly, we only see as in a mirror, amen. But there's coming a day when we will see him face to face and we'll know exactly what he looks like. We'll know exactly who he is in the fullness. Right now we only know him part. We don't know him fully. I know you could listen to the word of God and read the word every single day, 24 hours a day, but you will still never fully know God until we see him face to face. So I'm looking forward to that day when I can see him fully and know him fully, amen? Because right now I only know in part. So I'm only going to give you what I know of him this evening, amen? I can't give you it all because I don't know it all. But the second reason I shared that story is because in all reality, all through Scripture, men of God, inspired by God, have actually drawn a picture of God by revealing his divine nature and revealing his divine character. Every book of the Bible uh, reveals something more about the nature of God and, and the attributes of God and the personality of God and, 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 and the attributes of God, church. All through Scripture, God draws a picture of himself for all mankind to see because the Word of God was written by God, amen? It was inspired by God. So no matter how many individuals wrote it, God really is the author of, of Scripture, so we find all through Scripture, God is the one that's actually revealing himself to mankind. God himself is the one that's drawing a picture of what he looks like in the spiritual, because God is spirit. And all through Scripture, we're introduced to him, I believe, through his names. And that's what this series is all about. It's all about introducing us to God by introducing us to his names. By introducing us to his nature and his attributes and his character. Listen, I know none of us could ever draw, like I said, a physical picture of God or what he looks like. But I can tell you what his nature looks like and what his character looks like in scripture, church. You see, the reality is when we know him as the fire by night. 
when we know him as the everlasting father, when we know him as the prince of peace, when we know him as the lover of our soul, when we know him as the rebuilder of broken walls and lives, when we know him as the lion of Judah, when we know him as the bright and morning star, when we know him as the the lily of the valley, when we know him as all these names that we're going to look at, when we know him, church, to that degree, I believe in the spirit we can draw a picture of who he is. The reality is when we know who he is more fully, like I shared over the last couple of weeks, we love him more fully, we, we serve him more fully, we give to him more fully, we, we testify of him more fully. And it's really why God wants us to know his name, and I'm going to share a little bit reason why. How many of you know God doesn't just do something for us? He does something for us, not just for it to stop with us, Amen. He does something for us and he does something in us so it can overflow out there into this world, amen? So look, God doesn't just reveal his name to us for us alone. He reveals himself to us and, 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 and he shows more of himself to us so we might then turn around and be a reflection of that to those out there, amen? Because everybody needs to know God. And so I just wanted to throw that in. Look, I may not know what God looks like in the natural, like I said, but I certainly can discover what he looks like in the supernatural and in the spiritual. Because in my opinion, Scripture is the picture of God. And his names help paint that picture of, as well. Listen, when I, when I tell you that God is King of glory, the Lord strong and mighty... When I tell you that he is Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of heaven's armies, most of you would automatically have some sort of mental picture developing in your mind. When I talk about a king, you put a, th- you put a crown up on his head. When I talk about the king of glory, the Lord strong and mighty, you don't begin to paint a picture of some weak little wimp walking around. You picture some, some big, bold, bad king riding on a horse with a bloody sword by his side. Because the reality is the names of God paint a picture of who God is. And the more clear that picture becomes of of who God is to us, the more we can trust in him, the more we can count on him, the more faith we have in him. The more we yield to him, the more we obey him, the more power we receive from him, church. When I tell you that God is the great physician or Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals us, You might begin to paint a picture in your mind of a surgeon or a doctor or someone in scrubs, someone with a, uh, uh, what do you call that, the the little scope thing, stethoscope, big fancy word for the day, stethoscope. The reality is as soon as we we say these things, you begin to form this this mental picture of what that might be. You You might picture someone caring for the sick and providing medical attention. When I tell you that God is Jehovah Jireh, our provider, maybe you begin to picture God with his arms full of supplies. Maybe you begin to picture uh, God with this overflowing abundance pouring out of his life to meet the needs that every single one of us have. Whenever we speak about the name or the characters of God, you begin to form this mental picture, and there's nothing wrong with that because that's what helps us in our spiritual walk, and it's what helps us in our spiritual life to understand who God is. You see, God gave us a mind to picture that so that when we picture that and understand that greater, we can have a greater faith, like I said, and a greater trust in him. Therefore, we have a greater walk with him and a greater testimony with him. Amen? All because we know the names of God. The truth is, Scripture is the picture of God. And when we know Scripture, we can then know God. Listen, if you don't know Scripture, you don't know God. 
The only way we come to God is through the word of God and the spirit of God. The spirit of God doesn't ever speak anything into someone's life that is contrary to the word of God. The reality is the spirit of God is what draws us, but the spirit of God only speaks the word of God. The Spirit of God never speaks anything contrary to the Word of God. If someone comes to you and tells you, God told me this, and it doesn't line up with the Word, it's not the Spirit of God speaking to you because God never contradicts himself. So my whole point is, church, that Scripture is a picture of God, and when we know Scripture, we can then know God. One of the reasons so many individuals, so many Christians, so many believers, so many people in the house of God truly don't know God or truly don't understand God, or, or those who might have a wrong picture of who God is, are the individuals that don't know the word of God. If you don't know the word of God, you can't paint a true picture of who he is. If you don't know the word of God, you can't fully know God, you can't understand God, you can't become acquainted with God or int- intimately acquainted with God, church, if we don't read the word, if we don't sit under the word, if we don't listen to the word, The word is the beginning of our relationship with God. That's where it starts. The the word of God is the power of God unto salvation, the Bible says. So listen, my point is, if you want to know God, you got to know the word. You can't just come on, on Sunday night and listen to, or Sunday or Wednesday, and this is all you get from the word of God. You won't fully know God. You, You won't know him like you need to know him. You need to get into the word, Amen. You need to read the word and soak yourself in the word. You need to study the word in order to understand God and know God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, the Bible says. So what you need to understand is that the word of God is the picture of God. From the very beginning, we can find out what God looks like. We learned that last week in Genesis 1.1. We already got one of the names of God, amen, Elohim. So from the very beginning, we can find all through Scripture that that the Word of God paints the picture of God and reveals to us His character and His nature. So the first name that we looked at last week was Elohim, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. So as we learned last week, the first name we're introduced to in Scripture God didn't introduce himself as Elohim. His word introduced him to all of creation as Elohim. So the first name that begins to paint a picture of God is Elohim, the creator God, the one that gives us life, the one that gives us breath, amen? And I hope that you you gained a better understanding of Elohim last week after the sermon and after the message. I hope that you, you learned something more about him than you did before you listened to the word. And I hope tonight that you learned something more about Jehovah than you knew before you came in. If you didn't, then come teach me because I can use some teaching too, amen? So anyway, the reality is that's what we've learned last week, that he took, he's the one that took a pile of dirt, made it into something amazing. He's the one that took the dust of the earth and turned it into a masterpiece. He turned it into you and to me, amen? And the truth is, he wants us to know him personally and intimately. Elohim wants us to know him personally, and he wants us to know him intimately. Not just for him to know us, and for him to have an intimate, he wants us to know him as well. And we do that through the next name that we're going to look at this evening, which is Jehovah. According to Scripture, Jehovah is considered God's most famous name. 
It's his most popular name because it's the name that's most frequently used all throughout Scripture. In the Old Testament alone, it's used 6,519 times. It's called his most famous name in Scripture. David actually tells us in Psalm 105 to proclaim the name of Jehovah among the people. He tells us to make his name famous in the land. I'm going to pause there just for a minute because here's what you need to do. Every time we talk about the name of God, we've got to realize that we're also talking about the nature of God, the personality of God, the the characteristics of God, and the traits of God. So here's what David is saying. He's saying proclaim the characteristics or proclaim the nature and the attributes and the personality of Jehovah among the people. You know what that is? That's testifying. That's telling the world about Jehovah. That's telling the world about God. That's telling the workplace about Jehovah, about his characteristics and about his nature and about his kindness and his love and his mercy and his gentleness. That's what that's talking about. He's actually telling us to go out there and testify among the people about Jehovah and and the personal relationship you have with him. But then he goes on and says, and make his name famous in the land. Make his name, make his nature, make his personality, make his character famous in the land. But the reality is we can't do that unless we know his name. Amen, church? How are we going to make the name of Jehovah Rapha famous if we don't know it? How are we going to make the name of Jehovah Shalom famous? How are we going to testify of that and share of that if we don't know anything about it? How are, we going to, how are we going to testify or make famous the name of Jehovah Shama to those individuals around us if we've got no clue what it means? You see, there's so many. God is multifaceted, amen? He's got more than one side. He's got an infinity of sides and an infinity of personalities, most of which we won't even know until we get to glory, church. But the reality is Scripture does reveal a number of facets and personalities and character traits of Jehovah, and he wants us to know them so we can go share them, amen? But that's what David said. The reality is we can't proclaim his name unless we know it. We can't make famous his nature and his character unless we know it, church, unless we know who he is, unless we have an intimate, personal relationship with him. That's what David is saying. So what we discovered tonight or what we're going to discover tonight is that Jehovah is God's personal name. Jehovah is his relational name. Jehovah is the first name that God self-reveals when he spoke to his creation. In this case, it's to Moses in Exodus chapter 3. Jehovah was God's self-spoken name. He said, this is who I am. And that's the name that he gave to himself. It was the name of Jehovah, and and I'll give you some more insight on that as we go. But Elohim is the side of God who created the heavens and the earth. And even though Elohim is a personal God that took great personal care in our creation, and even though he invested his spirit and he invested his nature and he invested his power and he invested his authority into us, church, we have to understand that Jehovah is the side of God who relates to us. Jehovah is the side of God who has a personal, uh, intimate relationship with us. Jehovah is the God who personally reveals himself to us, just like he did with Moses and all the others that, we, that we'll look at throughout Scripture, church. In Exodus chapter 3, we discover that God revealed himself to Moses as Jehovah. 
We discover all through Scripture that, that, that God revealed himself or Jehovah revealed himself to Abraham. You know this one on Mount Moriah when he went to sacrifice his son. But he revealed himself as Jehovah Jireh, his provider. He revealed himself to David in the forest of Hereth when he was hiding from King Saul. When he wrote the 23rd Psalm, he revealed himself to David as Jehovah Ra'ah, the Lord who is my shepherd. He revealed himself to Hagar when she was cast out into, into the wilderness by Sarah after she gave birth to her son through Abraham. And, and Sarah got jealous and cast her out, and she found herself in a strange land, no, knew no one, all by herself. But it was there in the wilderness that God revealed himself as El Roi, the God who sees. The God that saw her circumstance and her situation, her heartache and her heartbreak, and wasn't going to leave her alone. He wanted, him to know, wanted her to know that he saw her in her place of need, church. You see, I say all that to just let you know it doesn't matter what circumstance or situation you might find yourself in, God can reveal himself there. God can reveal himself to you in your sickness. He can reveal himself to you in your heartache. He can reveal himself to you in the center of a storm. He can reveal himself to you in any circumstance or situation that you might find yourself in life because he is the, a, a relational God. And his desire is to reveal himself to you and reveal himself to me. Amen? Listen, one of the best ways for us to understand the meaning of Jehovah's name is by looking at the life of Moses in Exodus chapter 3. Where while he was tending to his father-in-law's sheep, God decides to reveal himself to Moses. You know the story through a bush that was burning on the hillside. He's tending to his normal duties. He's tending to his, his, his normal responsibilities when he sees something strange on the hillside. And, and it was God revealing himself to Moses. How many are thankful that God will take the time to reveal himself? Amen? And listen, I wouldn't be here if God didn't reveal himself somewhere along the way. You wouldn't be here if God hadn't revealed himself somewhere along the way, but, but he decides that he's going to reveal himself to Moses through a bush burning on a hillside. And this is what it says. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that Moses had gone over to look, he, Jehovah, called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And I pause because how many of you know great and mighty things with God always begin with, here I am. Great and mighty things with God always begin when we put ourselves in a position where God can reveal himself to us and where God can speak to us. Great and mighty things with God always begin with, here I am. I want you to know tonight that the anointing of God always begins with, here I am. The power of God and the authority of God always begins with here I am. The blessings of God and the favor of God and the goodness of God and, and the mercy of God and, and the fellowship of God always begins with here I am. 
Maybe it's here I am, God, help me. Here I am, God, use me. Here I am, God, reveal yourself to me. But it always begins with here I am. And I say all that because the reality is if you want to get intimate with God, you got to put yourself in a position where you can say, here I am, God. You see, the reality is there's so many people in the house of God that have no intimacy with God because they've never said, here I am, God. They've never put themselves in a position where they could, where God could reveal himself to them and where they could reveal their heart to God as well. You see, when God reveals himself to you, we naturally have the ability to reveal our heart to God as well, amen? And Moses did that. You know, sometimes we can reveal the side of our heart that might not be good, but God still receives it and listens to it and will speak back into it, amen? Listen, we can reveal a rotten attitude from our heart to God when he reveals himself to us. And we can begin to question God like Moses did and Gideon did and so many others did when he revealed himself to them. But God will still speak to us and he'll still turn all of that around. But I want you to understand, church, that the anointing and the blessing and the favor and the power and and the revelation and the divine design that God has for us always begins with here I am. Great and mighty things with God begin when we draw near to God like Moses drew near to the presence of God in a burning bush, church. Come to me and I will show you great and unsearchable things, God said in Jeremiah 33, verse 3. Come to me. How many of you know that that calls for something from us? Come to me. Like Moses came to the presence of God, like Moses went to the burning bush, come to me and I will show you great and unsearchable things. And how many of you know when Moses went, God revealed to him great and unsearchable things, things that he was afraid of, things that God would call him to do. God revealed his divine design for Moses and it was too much for Moses to comprehend. So he begins to question God and he begins to, he begins to look at himself instead of looking at God and he tries to talk God out of this divine plan and design. How many times have we done that? God begins to speak these divine designs, these great and unsearchable things into our life and we try to talk God out of it. Like God doesn't know what's good for us. Like, like God has harm for us instead of good for us, Amen. But listen, all I can tell you this evening is that when you, when you put yourself in a position to say, here I am, God will only speak good things into your life. Things that are for your good and not for your harm. Things that will bless your future and not harm your future. And we need to understand that, church. Come to me and I will show you great and unsearchable things. It's what happened to Moses. He turned aside from the day-to-day routine and the responsibilities that he had. And look, I'm not saying that we should throw away all of our responsibilities and just go stand at the altar 24 hours a day every day. I'm not saying that. The Thessalonians did that, you remember? They stood on the street side just looking up to heaven, waiting for the Lord's return, and they, they forsook all of their earthly responsibilities and a lot of their spiritual responsibilities as well. But that's not what we're we're learning here, and it's not what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us. What the Holy Spirit is teaching us is that Moses turned aside from the day-to-day routine in order to come closer to God. He turned away from his day-to-day routine to respond to God revealing himself to him. Church, and and I'm going to keep going with this. He turned away, we would say in the modern language, he turned away from his daytimer, turned away from his iPhone, he turned away from the TV. He turned away from the computer. He turned away from Twitter. He turned away from Facebook. He turned away from Instagram. He turned away from those things that so so occupy our day, church. 
Man, you can spend all day on that Facebook thing. You spend all day on that Instagram thing at the expense of what? The revelation of God, the truth of God, the word of God, the spirit of God, the power of God, the anointing of God. That should be our hunger. That should be our desire. But it's exactly what Moses did. He turned aside, the Bible says, and he approached the the, the revelation of God. Moses discovered that intimacy with God began with him. Moses discovered that when he turned aside, when 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 he approached the presence of God, And responded to the revelation of God. Listen, that burning bush was a revelation of God. And when he turned aside to it, God revealed himself. This is what the Bible says. Look at it. When the Lord saw that Moses had gone over to look, then he called out from the bush, Moses, Moses. God's not going to call you unless you're ready for him to call you. God's not going to call you. Look, you might not think you're ready. Moses didn't think he was ready, but God knew he was. He'd been spending 40 years on the side of a hill leading a bunch of sheep, and, he, or, and, and God knew he was going to do the same thing again. So he, that's my point. My point is simply this. God knows we don't. Amen? But Moses drew near, and Jehovah introduced himself, the Bible says. Moses drew near, and God called out, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. And you all know the story of how God spoke to Moses and called him to go back to Egypt and to set the people free. But unfortunately, the first thing Moses does is, why me, God? Read it. Why me? Why me? You know, I I, I fled. I've been hanging out on a hillside for 40 years, Moses, because I murdered an Egyptian. So why me? Send someone else. Use someone else. Call someone else. Empower someone else. You see, God reveals himself to us, and when he does, and when he calls us, he empowers us. But, but Moses hadn't discovered that yet because there was a side of God and a nature of God that, that Moses uh, didn't discover yet. Look, there's things about God you haven't discovered yet, but when he puts you in a particular situation, you'll discover it. And you get it, gain a greater and a better understanding of God when he does. Listen, sometimes God will let you go through the storm so you gain a better understanding of who he is. So that you can go through the storm next time and maybe help someone else through a storm as well. Because God doesn't just take you through a storm so you can go through the storm. He does it so you can help someone else go through a storm. Amen? Amen. But that's the first thing that Moses says. Listen, he began to look at himself instead of God. God revealed himself to Moses. Through this miraculous moment of a bush burning but not burning up. But in the middle of this call from God, Moses looks to himself instead of to God. Why me? He said, what makes you think, and this is, what Moses, this is Moses talking to God. What makes you think I could go back to Pharaoh and make such a demand? He said, who am I that Pharaoh would listen to me? And all along, God's thinking, It's not about you, Moses. It's about me. It's not about your power. It's about my power through you and my power in you. It's not about your weakness. It's all about my strength, amen? It's not about your abilities. It's not about your influence. It's not about uh, all of your, your gifts and your talents. It's all about what I'm able to do through you. 
You see, listen, and when we say, here I am, all of a sudden, this is where it all begins. Great and mighty things, like I said, begin when we say, here I am, God. Because as soon as we make ourselves available to God, all the power of God and the anointing of God, all of the authority of God is now able to flow through us out there to do what we need to do. It wasn't about Moses. It was about God, church. God told Moses, you're not going to go alone. He said, he commissioned him anyway. He said, who am I that Pharaoh would listen to me? And God knew that he wasn't going to listen to Pharaoh. He was going to ultimately listen to what God was able to do through Pharaoh, amen? But God commissioned him anyway because it's not about our power, it's about God's. Then Moses, still afraid of God's grand request, said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, what is his name? And if they do, what should I say to them? In other words, Moses was saying to God, he was saying, if, if they ask under whose authority am I coming, under whose authority am I speaking, under whose authority will I do these things, God was saying, tell them, he was then asking, who should I say sent me? What is his name? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Furthermore, you shall say to the sons of Israel, the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, and underline that because it's important, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial name to all generations, or this is my famous name to all generations. What's the name? The name I am that I am in the Hebrew is Yahweh. So what he was saying is this is who, tell them Yahweh sent you. Tell them that Jehovah sent you because Jehovah is the English translation of Yahweh. So when, when he said, I am that I am, it means Yahweh, and Yahweh in the English is Jehovah. So that's, we've interpreted to Jehovah in the English. So what Moses was saying was, tell them that Yahweh sent you. Tell them that Jehovah sent you. Tell them that the relational God sent you. And it's important, church, because we, they were in a place where they had broken relations with God. They were in a place of bondage, where relation with God was broken, where his blessings and his favor and his covering and all of that, it was in a broken place. So what he needed to remind the Israelites, what he needed to remind his people is that the relational God is the one that sent you, the one that wants to have an intimate, personal relationship with you. Even though you're in broken relationship, even though you're in bondage, Jehovah, Yahweh, the relational God, the one that wants to know you intimately, and personally, he's the one that sent you. Tell them that, Moses. And we know the story that he did, church. And again, without getting lengthy or theological like I did last week, here's a moment where I want to teach you in some of the time that I have left. I am that I am, like I said, is Hebrew. And, in the, and, and Yahweh translated in English is Jehovah. And like I said, it's the personal rela relational name of God, church. And it's the name Satan doesn't want you to know. It's the name of God that Satan doesn't want you to become familiar with. 
It's the name of God and the character of God and the attribute of God that Satan doesn't want you to, to know or to see, church. It's the relational side of God. Because the reality is the last thing Satan wants you to have is a personal, intimate relationship with Jehovah Elohim. He doesn't mind that you have a relationship with, with just the creator or that, that God is just Elohim to you. He doesn't want you to have a personal, intimate relationship with Jehovah, church. It's the God Satan doesn't want, it's the side of, uh, uh, of God that Satan doesn't want you to see. And here's where I don't want to lose you, and I hope that I can keep you. But we see this in Genesis 3.1, where Satan made his way into the garden as a serpent, the Bible tells us, or as a snake. And Scripture says, now the serpent was more crafty, in verse 1, than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And again, capital L-O-R-D. The Lord God had made, this is the first time in Scripture where L-O-R-D is capitalized, and it is the revealing, the, the, the revealing relational nature inside of God. And this is what the Bible says. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field, which the Lord God had made, capital L-O-R-D. And it is, it's where he reveals his relational side to his creation. So, in other words, Scripture is teaching us here that Jehovah God any beast of the field which Jehovah God or Jehovah Elohim in this passage of Scripture had made. So please understand it's not an accident that God reveals his relational nature here because God doesn't just want to be creator God with no intimacy and uh, with his creation, with no personal access to his creation. He wants us to be yoked to him. He wants us to be knit with him. He wants us to be one with him, church. He wants us to be near to him. He wants us to know him intimately and personally. He wants us to know him as Jehovah God, the relational God. His desire is for us to know him as Yahweh personally and intimately. But if you study the first verse of Genesis 3, that's just the first part that I read. So God describes himself in this passage of scripture, L-O-R-D. He reveals himself again as Jehovah God. But look at what it says in the back half. In Genesis 3, we find that, uh, hold on. We find in Genesis 3, the second half of it, that Satan attempted to thwart this plan, the plan for us to be intimate with God, to, to have a personal relationship with God. He, he attempted to sever relations between Eve and the Lord, and he did that very subtly by changing God's name in the second part of this passage, in the second part of this scripture. How many of you know Satan's number one goal is to sever your relationship with God? It's to sever your intimacy and to sever that personal intimacy that you have with God, and it's exactly what he did and he started with it in the second half of verse 1. Because where Satan spoke to Eve, we read, or when Satan spoke to Eve, this is what it says. He said to the woman, did God really say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? He said, did Elohim, because that's what he was referring to there, did Elohim really say that you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? And I'm not sure if you caught the difference between the front half of that passage and the second half of that passage, but the first thing that Satan did was to change God's name. The first thing Satan did was to remove or hide the relational nature of God and the relational impact Eve's sin and disobedience would have had as well. And I don't know if that's too theological for you, but there is a reason that Satan did not say the Lord God. He just said God. 
When he spoke to Eve in the garden in this moment of temptation, the only recognition he gave God was Elohim God, the one that created her. But he left out the relational side of God on purpose because he wanted to sever the relationship that Eve had with God, which would ultimately sever the relationship that Adam had with God as well, church. But he did it by subtly changing God's name. By just calling him Elohim instead of Jehovah Elohim, church. The very first thing, listen, there is a a relational impact in our lives when we sin. The reality is, listen, he knew that if he could get Eve to sin, he knew that if if he could influence that personal relationship that she had with Jehovah or that, that side of God that wanted that personal, if he could influence that or sever that, he did his job. And he wants to do that every single day with you and me, with our kids and grand. He wants to sever that intimacy. He doesn't want us to know Jehovah. He don't care if you know Elohim. He just doesn't want you to have a personal relationship with Jehovah. The first thing that Satan did was to remove God's relational name Yahweh from the conversation. Think about it. If Satan would have included Yahweh, the relational name of God in his conversation, if he would have said to the woman, Did Jehovah God really say, did Yahweh God really say that you shall not eat from any of the trees of the garden? If he would have said that, he would have reminded Eve that she was in relationship with Jehovah. He would have reminded her that she was in personal, intimate relationship with Yahweh, church. He would have reminded her of the intimacy of God and the the loving care of God and the, the personal nature of God. He would have reminded her of the impact that her sin would have had on that relationship as well. Listen, the easiest way for God to mess up your relationship with God is for you to forget that he's a relational God, to get you so occupied or so sidetracked or so seduced by everything else that, that you forget that there are consequences and responsibility or consequences to us severing that relationship through sin and disobedience. Listen, the greatest acts of sin that we commit is when we forget about the intimacy we're supposed to have with God. The greatest acts of sin and disobedience that we commit in our life is when we are not intimately involved with him. That we've allowed the things of Satan and the things of this world to sever that, 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 that intimacy that we have with God, church. And it's what he tries to do and attempts to do every day. And he did it with Adam and he did it with Eve. And you know the consequence Simply by changing the name, simply by hiding the relational nature of God. And we can't forget that. We need, to, we need to remember every single day that we have been called to a personal, intimate relationship with God. And we need to do everything that we can to make sure we're feeding that relationship. We need to do everything that we can to make sure that we are feeding that intimacy with Jehovah. Because it's what keeps us from sin, Amen. And it's what keeps us from destruction. But if he would have, all he had to do was change God's name. All he had to do was hide the relational aspect of God. Satan's goal in Genesis 3 was to get Eve and subsequently Adam to drop the name of Jehovah from their association with God. Just to keep them from relationship with him. To just have them serving a far off, hands off God. Listen, there's a lot of people out there that that's it. 
They serve a, they serve a hands-off, far-off God. They believe in, in God. If you were to take a poll across the, I mean, there, there are surveys that are done all the time. Do you believe in God? Do you believe in the creator God? There's a lot of people out there that say, yes, in America, yeah, I believe in God. But they don't have relationship with Elo. They don't have relationship with Jehovah. They believe in Elohim. They don't have relationship though with Jehovah. They don't have intimacy with Him. And see, the devil doesn't care if you believe in God. He doesn't care if you believe in Elohim. He cares if you have intimacy with Jehovah. He cares if you have intimacy with Yahweh. He cares if you have intimacy with I am that I am church. His number one goal was to keep them from exercising the power of that relationship as well. Oh, his ultimate goal, listen, remember, when God created Adam and Eve, he breathed his power, his authority, all of that, dominion into their life. And, this, and Satan knew, the devil knew, Lucifer knew that if I could just sever that relationship, then I can keep them from exercising the power of that relationship. How many of you know when you come into relationship with God, you come into relationship with his power and his authority and his dominion? And if Satan can mess with that intimacy and if he can mess with that relationship, guess what, guess what he messes with? He messes with God's authority, he messes with God's power, and he messes with God's influence over this world. If he can sever your, your, your intimacy with God, then he severs the flow of God's power from your life to do what we're supposed to do, amen? His goal was to keep them from knowing the power of Jehovah Jireh and the power of Jehovah Nissi and the power of Jehovah Shalom and the power of Jehovah Rapha and the power of Jehovah Tzidkenu and the power of Jehovah Azer and the power of Jehovah Hatikvah and the power of Jehovah Shammah and I keep on going. His goal was to sever their relationship so they could, he could sever the power of who God was in their life. Listen, like I said, he's quite okay with us acknowledging God, Elohim. He just doesn't want us having personal relationship under Jehovah's authority. And I, and I hope this isn't too theological for you, but the reality is he doesn't care if you have a relationship, like I said, with Elohim. He just doesn't want you having a personal relationship under his authority or under God's power or under his favor or under his anointing because when you do, you'll make a difference out there in the world. When you do, when you exercise that personal uh, power that you have through your personal relationship with him, church, you'll change this world. And that's what God has called us to do. Please remember, Satan lost his relationship in glory. We learned that last week. Remember, he was cast out. He lost his relationship with Jehovah. He lost his anointing. He lost his power. He lost the dominion that he once had. He, he lost that personal intimacy with God, with Jehovah. And he wants you to lose the same thing. He doesn't have access to it any longer. I mean, he's got power as Satan, but he doesn't have what he once had, and he doesn't want you to have that either. He doesn't want you to, have, uh, to, to live and move and breathe under Jehovah's authority. So please understand there's a divine supernatural power and authority that comes from an intimacy with the Lord God Jehovah. There is a supernatural power and authority that comes from our intimacy with Jehovah. And he wants us to exercise that, church, we talked about that. When, when God breathed his spirit into us and he gave us that authority and he gave us that dominion and he gave us that power, it only operates through an intimate relationship with him. 
It only operates when we put ourselves in position like here I am to let that power and anointing flow in our life. But the problem is so many of us are mispositioned in life and in our relationship with God that that power just can't flow. And we wonder why we're overcome and we wonder why we're overtaken and we wonder why we're beaten back and we wonder why we're trodden down. Because we're not in the right position to allow that that power and authority and anointing to be used through us for us to operate under God's anointing. Listen to me. God won't anoint those that aren't close to him. God won't anoint those that aren't intimate with him, that don't have a personal relationship with him. He will not anoint them. He won't waste his anointing. So if you want that anointing, you've got to do everything that you can to make sure you have that intimacy with God. You've got to make sure that you have you do everything that you can to maintain that personal relationship with God in your life. You have to do everything you can to maintain it, everything that you you can do to, to strengthen a church so that we can go forth and multiply. Why do you think he filled Adam and Eve with dominion and power and authority? was so they could go forth and multiply, so that they could multiply that power and that dominion and the character of God and the nature of God all across the land to overtake and have dominion over everything that was out there. Because if you remember, listen, part of that world was still filled with one-third of the fallen angels. And they were given the power and the authority and the dominion to go overtake all of them. And when we are filled with the Spirit of God, we're given the power and dominion, the Bible says, over every single unclean spirit, every, over every fallen demon of darkness. We're given it. But we can't exercise it unless we're intimate with him. It won't flow through us unless we have that personal, intimate relationship with him. Amen? So how do we do that? How do we maintain as I close this out and wind it down? How do we do that? How do we know him as Jehovah? How do we increase our intimacy with God? How do we make him famous in the land? Like I said, as I close this out, this will be close to my, I think, my last scripture that I read. But I believe Exodus 33 gives us a good idea of how we do this when it says, whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak to Moses face to face. Speak to him personally, not in his fullness of his glory or the fullness of his image, because how many of you know if you look at God fully, you'll die? But the Bible says that he spoke to him like a friend speaks to a friend, face to face. It was that close. It was that personal. It was that intimate. But here's what I don't want you to miss. It said, whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of the cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak face-to-face with Moses whenever Moses entered the tent. Whenever Moses was positioned to be able to say, here I am. I hope you're getting this. Don't ever expect to meet God face-to-face unless you're positioned properly. If Moses never went to the tent, he would have missed out on God. But when he positioned himself properly, the Bible says whenever he went to the tent, whenever he drew near, whenever he came close, whenever Moses put himself in a position to say, here I am, then the Lord revealed himself to him. I'm telling you this evening, every time you position yourself properly, 
Anytime you put yourself or you draw near to God, anytime you come close to God, anytime you put yourself in a position to be able to say, here I am, God, reveal yourself, he will. He will come to the, to, the, to the opening of your heart. He will come to the opening of your dwelling place. He will come to the, to, the, to the doorway of your tent, church, or the entrance of your tent, and he'll speak with you like he spoke with Moses, personally and intimately, church. That's what he'll do. Whenever we do that, listen, the reality is there wasn't a day that Moses went to the tent that God didn't appear. There wasn't a day that Moses went to that tent, Bible says, that God didn't appear. And what I'm telling you is that every time we position ourselves, God will show up, church. I don't care where you're at. You can be driving down the road in the middle of traffic and position yourself before God or position yourself to be able to say, here I am, God. Here I am, God. Just reminding you, here I am, God. He'll come and speak to you. He'll bring revelation to you. He'll speak some divine design and destiny into your life. It could, be, it could be at the break room. It could be in your bedroom. It could be in your backyard. It doesn't always have to be here at the altar or here in the church. Listen, I hope to God this isn't the only place you seek to become intimate with God. I hope this isn't the only place where God reveals himself to you. Anytime you go to that place, wherever it might be, with the intent to meet with God, God will show up there. Anytime you open the, 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 the flaps to your tent, I guess you could say, because Moses had to open them up. And when he opened them up, when he went in and he opened them up, the Spirit of God descended and stood at the tent. Your tent can be anywhere, church. And when you, when you position yourself that way, guess who shows up? Jehovah God. The personal, intimate, relational God is the one that shows up. And I say all that to say this. Listen, let me finish. He goes on to say, in one of their conversations, Moses asked in, in these moments when, when God would come down and they would talk and have conversation like they were talking to a friend. In one of those conversations, Moses asks God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. Show me more than I've ever seen before. Show me your glory. And God goes on and says, the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, Moses, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, Jehovah, in your presence. And I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on, all, on who I will have compassion. I'm going too fast. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you on a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand, and you will see my back, but my face you shall not see. And I say all of that to say this. Moses could have been satisfied with a burning bush experience. Moses could have been satisfied with the 10 plague experience. Moses could have been satisfied with the parting of the Red Sea and the, the crossing over on the dry land experience. He could have been satisfied with manna from heaven. He could have been satisfied with the clothes that didn't wear out, if you know scripture, and the sandals that never wore out. They never had to make another pair of sandals. They never had to make another pair of pants. Every day that they woke up and went out, the manna was there prepared for them. He could have, he could have been satisfied satisfied with that church he could have been satisfied with the fiery finger of God writing his law on two tablets of the stone he could have been satisfied with God standing at the tent or the opening of his tent every single time he went there but the Bible tells us that Moses wanted more Moses wasn't satisfied 
And that's how you stay intimate. That's how you become intimate. That's how you maintain your intimacy. You and I can never be satisfied with where we're at. We always should want more. Because we can never fully know him. We can never fully receive everything that he has for us. So every single day, our prayer should be, God, show me more. God, show me more of your glory. God, show me more of your your personality. God, show me more of your power. God, show me more of your, your nature. God, show me more. I want more, God. We should never be satisfied. Reveal yourself to me more in the word of God. Reveal yourself to me more in my place of prayer. Reveal more of yourself to me, God. We should never be satisfied with one experience. Moses could have, Moses could have looked at that, that burning bush and, and thought, oh, wow, that was a neat experience, and then went right off. And you know what? We do it every Sunday. So often we do it on Wednesdays. We come in, great, well, boy, that was a great experience in church. But we don't do anything with it. God reveals himself in a great and powerful and a mighty way. He tries, to, he tries to reveal more of his nature so that we become more intimate. But all it is is, well, that was good, God, a good word. We go home and we do nothing with it. We should never be satisfied, church, because Jehovah God has more for us than we can ever contain. So how do we do that? that look, that's what I said. I say that because too many of us stop at the burning bush. Too many of us are satisfied with only an introduction to God. Okay, God, you introduced yourself. That was great. That was grand. Whoopee. But God carried this out so far in Moses' life, and guess what he did? Listen, he made God's name famous. He made God's name famous, amen? And not that this was his goal, but Moses is one of the most famous men in Scripture too. Because he made God famous. Moses was all about making God famous, amen? It wasn't about Moses, but the reality is, listen. Say all that because if we want to stay close, if we want to stay intimate, if we want that that deep relationship with God, we got to keep at it. We can never be satisfied And we cannot allow the devil to come in and change the name of God in our life. Can never allow the the devil to come in and sever that relationship. Listen to me. When you and I are tempted, this isn't in my notes. When you and I are tempted, when the the things of this world just wrap around us and our lives are filled with all sorts of stuff, we need to be conscious of the fact that the devil is trying to sever something trying to sever something because when he does, all of a sudden we lose that, that authority and that power and that anointing, amen? How many of you want to operate under God's authority and, 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 and Jehovah's dominion, amen? And if that's what you want, I'm just going to ask you to stand to your feet because we need God's help for us to be able to do that, amen? Here's my challenge tonight. What David said in Psalm 105, he wants you to make God's name famous among the people and he wants you to make God famous among the land in the land, and we can only do that when we are in intimate relationship with Jehovah, amen? So our prayer tonight is, Jehovah, just reveal yourself in a greater way, and we just need to let him become that intimate and close with us so we can make him famous, amen?
So, Father God, I thank you for this day, God. I thank you for the word. I know I went long, God. I was trying to get everything in, and I I thank you, God, for the people's patience, and I, I thank you for their attention, and I thank you for their ear, but most of all, I thank you for your word because it is the power of God unto salvation. I thank you that you take the time to reveal yourself to us, God, and it's my prayer today and tonight, Father God, that we would all be able to say, here I am. God, that we would be able to turn aside for a moment from from the things of this world and the responsibilities and the cares and the concerns, God, from, from all the distractions that this world has to bring our way, God, and we would just be able to say, here I am. And not just tonight, God, let us be able to say that every day. Let us be able to, to, to say it in the morning before we rush off to work. Here I am, Jehovah. I want to increase my intimacy with you. In the hecticness of the day, as we go along the way in the car, at the break room, or at lunch, let us be positioned uh, enough to be able to say, here I am again, Jehovah. I need some intimacy. I need that moment where you reveal yourself to me at, at, at night, at the dinner table, at bed, before, before we put our heads to sleep. Let us position ourselves once again to say, here I am again, Jehovah. Refresh me tonight. Cover my mind tonight. Renew me tonight, even in my dreams and even in my thoughts. Reveal yourself to me in a great and mighty way and increase my intimacy with you. God, help us to be aware of the the tactics of the devil that wants to sever our relationship with you because when he severs our relationship, he severs the power and the authority and the dominion and the anointing as well. When he does, we become overcome instead of overcomers. So God, help us to develop that intimacy with you, to turn aside to you, to make time for you, to come near to you, God. And it it doesn't have to be here at this altar, God. My prayer is that every time we come to the house of God, it would just be an overflow of the times that we've already spent with you, God. Let our car become a place of intimacy. Let our bedroom become a place of intimacy, not just with our spouse, but with Jehovah. Let our dinner table become a place of intimacy, God. Let our prayer closet become a place of intimacy, God. Let even our workplace become a place of intimacy. Not that we don't get our job done, but that we are still in intimate relationship with you while we're there. That you control our thoughts and fill our thoughts and control our words and fill our words and control our heart and fill our heart, God. God, show us your glory. Show us more of you, God. Let us never be satisfied with the experiences that we've had along the way. Let us not be satisfied with one burning bush experience, God. Bring us to a place where we can proclaim and make your name great in the land. Because you're great in us, God. Because we have that intimate personal relationship with you. God, I just pray that these words that we've heard tonight, God, would find a place within the soil of our soul and that they would continue to echo in our spiritual ears. Help us to to walk by them. Help us to live by them. Help us to hide them in our hearts that we might not sin against you, God, and sever that relationship. I just pray for divine intimacy with you. God, Jehovah, reveal yourself And as we draw near to you, I thank you that you will draw near to us. 
and that you will speak divine design and destiny into each and every one of our lives, God. I praise you and thank you that you have a plan for us to bless us and not harm us, to give us hope and a future. We rest in that tonight, and we go in that tonight. God, cover us, keep us, prosper us in all of our ways. As we lie down, as we rise up, as we go out, as we come in, and as we go along the way, I thank you that you are with us, God. We're careful to give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. And let your word be alive and rich within us. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen. Can we just bless the Lord tonight, church? Amen. Thank you for your patience. I know I went long. But I pray that you would grow more intimate with him this week. Amen.